0: I'd like you to turn your attention as we build on this, 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 this biblical concept, this doctrine, this teaching of deliverance, okay? I would like you to turn to the book of Judges. I want you to look at chapter three, okay? And we're going to look at a few verses in Judges chapter three. In particular, we're going to look at verses 12 through 15. And what we're going to do is that we're going to build off of this. We're going to take it. We're going to dissect it. We're going to get into it. And, and God's going to speak to us, okay? Some of it's going to challenge us, okay? But that's good because we need, to, we need to grow. We don't want to hold on to anything that we don't need, okay? So Judges chapter 3, verse 12, starting at verse 12 through verse 15, the Bible reads this, and the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. And he gathered unto him the children of Ammon and Amalek and went and smote Israel and possessed the city of palm trees. So the children of Israel served Eglon or Eglon, the king of Moab, 18 years. But when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. The Lord raised them up a deliverer. Ehud, the son of Gera, okay, a Benjamite, a man left-handed, and by him, the children of Israel sent a present unto Egwan, the king of Moab, amen. May the Lord have a blessing to the reading, hearing, and doing of his word as always. We are in the book of, of Judges as I uh, contemplated this, uh, continuing this this lesson and God in prayer with the Lord. The Lord gave me this set of scriptures. Uh, we will probably, uh, we may cover it throughout the rest of the uh, of the remaining sessions um, or Lord willing, and, and he allows us to get through it all tonight. Then we'll, 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 we'll bring in some other uh, scripture uh, examples, but we're gonna work through this. There's a lot in this that God has for us. The book of Judges, okay, is the seventh book uh, within the the, the Hebrew Bible, okay? So, and and the book of Judges in particular depicts uh, a period, okay, between Joshua, who was the successor of Moses, okay? So, after Moses passed on, the leadership passed on to Joshua, amen? Um, It depicts, the book of Judges depicts that period between Um, Joshua's conquest of Canaan and the monarchy of Saul and David. So for those of you who know your history and those of you who do not know your history, Moses did not get into or make it to the promised land. He was only allowed to see it, but he was not allowed to enter in. Joshua Took the children of Israel into the land of Canaan, where the conquesting took place. Okay, so Joshua is the is the leader that God raised up, um, under which the children of Israel subdued the land of Canaan for the most part. Okay, um, and <laughs> history would tell you that they didn't they didn't do uh, they didn't do as complete a job as they were supposed to, but for all intents and purposes, under Joshua they can they uh conducted the conquest of the land of canaan now this goes all the way up into the book of judges up until we start the monarchy of saul and david so up until uh we get to king saul and king david and judges covers that period now during this period all right the people of god did not have a king okay they were not ruled by a king. There was no there, there 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 was there there was no king at this point. Okay, and what God did was put in a a a, a system of government, um, which is known as the system of judges or governors. That's what they were. God put in place in the absence of um, a king. Okay, because by original design, Israel was supposed to live and operate. With only God Almighty as their king, God didn't want them to have a uh, to have a king like every other nation. Why? Because God was their king. And when you get into the book of uh, Samuel, you you discover um, you know how that went and how the the kingship and all those other sorts of things began to come into play. But originally, that is not what God wanted for them. So what God did was He knew that they were going to need a system of management and or government and what he put in was a system of the judges or these governors okay now when you study the book of judges and i'm and i'm and i'm backing into this because judges the book of judges whenever you start talking about deliverance or you want to do a deep dive into deliverance Honestly, I don't know how you really do it without considering and taking into account the book of Judges, because the book of Judges is like Deliverance 101. You have more examples of deliverance in the book of Judges than almost almost any other place in, in the Bible, and you get to see different flavors or different colors or shades of deliverance in the book of Judges. Now, the study of this book of Judges usually results in people kind of putting... Um, um people putting the judges into two categories okay so for all intents and purposes judges kind of fell in fall into two categories okay uh major and minor so major judges and minor judges now major judges were the ones in whom when you read the book of judges okay there's detailed accounts of that judge's exploit so whatever god did through that judge you're gonna read a detailed account. The minor judges are the ones where it, it where where it, where you where you don't get the detailed information. You get you 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 get enlightened to the truth that this was a judge, or to the knowledge that this was a judge, and under this judge the people were under. Uh, you know, uh, this judge God used this judge to lead the people or to govern the people. So those who where the Bible doesn't really do a deep dive. Into their exploits, or just what all God did through that judge, those are considered minor judges. So they're not major and minor in the sense that one is more important than the other. No, it just means that we have one for one judge, we have more information than we have for another one. Now, the book of Judges itself, all right, tends to follow a pattern, okay? This pattern. When you read the book of Judges, you'll be able to pick it out if you actually spend some time with it, okay? There's a pattern that is nestled within the book of Judges, and it's often referred to as the Judges cycle, okay? There is a cycle that constantly wash, rinses, and repeats within the book of Judges. And what that cycle is, is sin, repentance, and salvation, okay? So for those of you who are taking notes, the Judges cycle that repeats over and over and over within the book is known as the Judges Cycle, and it consists of the message of sin, repentance, and salvation. That goes, it it, it constantly cycles through the entire book. Now, if you break that down, okay, and that's exactly what we're gonna do, and talk about that specifically, then what we're actually referring to is, is that what you actually see in the book of Judges is as you will uh, you will see Israel does evil okay before God and they end up worshipping Baal or false god okay or the different forms of Baal okay God then becomes angry and hands uh, Israel over to an enemy nation or in other words allows the enemy to to get strong against them Israel then cries out for help all right God then raises up a judge who delivers Israel from the enemy And then no sooner than God does that, the victory is short lived and Israel returns right back to serving false gods. That is the pattern. That is the cycle. That is the sequence that you see throughout the book of Judges. And if you look closely, you will actually realize that too is actually the cycle of deliverance deliverance also operates um on a cycle because as with the children of israel in the time of the judges so it is with us today in the area of deliverance because today our deliverance amen is often part of a cycle it happens in a cycle but the question is is why is this okay why is it that, that way? Well, because number one, we struggle as people, as, as men and women who have a fallen nature. And you got to understand, as long as you got this flesh, you have a fallen nature. And as long as you have a fallen nature, that nature is going to have tendencies or desires to do things that are contrary to God. Amen. You got to remember, when sin came into the picture, all right, it all flesh became corrupted, all of it, all of it. It wasn't always that way, but when sin entered the fray, it became corrupted. And because it is corrupted, okay, you're gonna always struggle with it. We struggle in the area of walking or living in our deliverance. That is one of the biggest thing. That's why we have, that's one reason why we have this cycle is because we struggle in the area of walking or living in the, in that, uh, that deliverance. Okay. The Bible literally has given us the instruction to overcome that. You find that in Galatians chapter five, verse 16, this, I say, then walk in the spirit and what you shall not fulfill the lusts of the lust of the flesh walk in the spirit. That's a lot of, we, sometimes we come across that brothers and sisters and sisters, and and, and and we look at it or approach it almost as if it's a task that's insurmountable or something that cannot be done. Well, walking in the spirit wasn't meant to be something that threw us for a curve. God wasn't throwing a curveball when he said walk in the spirit. No, no. When God said walk in the spirit, brothers and sisters, that simply meant do what the word says. You walk in the spirit by way of obedience okay it's not it's not it's it's and it's obedience to whatever god has told us to do All right. another reason why we enter into this deliverance cycle the same as the uh children of israel had to deal with another reason why we get into that is because we struggle with staying delivered why because we at times walk away from our deliverance amen and that's something important and something that we need to make sure that we that we that we keep in mind and that we are aware of. We struggle with staying delivered at times. Amen. Simply because we at times walk away from our deliverance. How do we do that? Look at James chapter 1. I want you to look at verse number 12, all right? And if you take that all the way through to, uh, to to 17, the Lord builds a, a clear picture for us. Bible says this, blessed is the man that endureth temptation for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Amen. So we got a promise for overcoming uh, temptation, but watch this. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted he any man? What does that mean? It means God's not going to set you up. So, so when you're struggling and you're having a hard time walking in your in your deliverance, you are not going to get walking in your deliverance. You are not going to 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 experience or be able to 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 walk fully in that deliverance with a mindset that somehow says or thinks that the reason why you're going through this, that, and the other is because God is somewhere. Just setting you up, brothers and sisters, we're not that important. God does not have to take time and he don't sit up somewhere contemplating how he is going to make life difficult for you. No, sin is going to make life difficult for you on its own. Why? Because the wages of sin is still death. Okay. It does not matter. It, it is still death. What does that mean? It means that whenever sin enters the fray, brothers and sisters, it is going to erode and kill off everything around you. That's what it's going to do. Now, if you happen to be somebody who is unsaved, you have not been water baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, filled with the Holy Ghost. If you, you haven't that, then not only is it going, not only is it going to kill off everything around you, uh, relationships and all these sorts of things, but eventually it's going to kill off your soul because it's going to it's going to result in that final separation, which is what true death is: is separation, okay, from God. Okay, so the waves of sin is still death. Amen. Now, God is not somewhere trying to set you up. Now, Bible says this, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brother. Now, I mean don't get this twisted. That I mean don't don't make a mistake here. This next part Don't don't overlook this part. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Deliverance comes from God. And when God gives you deliverance, okay, God actually gives you perfect deliverance. Okay. Every good God gives you good deliverance. That deliverance does not last at times because we walk away. Amen. So that's one thing that we have to keep in mind. Because whenever we walk away, something happens. What happens? It puts us back in the starting state or at the starting gate of needing to be delivered all over again. And I suspect that tonight we got people that who are listening or either you, it's either you yourself or you know somebody who is struggling with deliverance. They're struggling with living and walking in that deliverance. You have that silent question that like, why can't, why do I have to, why am I still going through this? Why is this still a thing? Why is this still an issue? Okay. And the Bible makes it very plain. And as we go into our text, we're gonna see a lot of that, what the Bible actually says. And in speaking of that, let's look back, okay, at our text, all right, in the book of Judges, okay? I want, we're looking right back at Judges and we're looking at chapter uh, three and let's look at verses 12 and 13, okay? In particular now, as we kind of deep dive, Bible says this, and the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab against Israel, because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. And he gathered unto him the children of Ammon and Amalek, and went and smote Israel and possessed the city of palm trees. Now we're going to dig into this, So I want you to just buckle up for this. Now, in this text, verse number 12, start here. He says, the children of Israel did evil again. Let me stop and pause right there. Deliverance, as long as there is a again attached to your unrighteousness or the way that you are living, you are going to find yourself struggling to live in deliverance. I'm gonna say it again. I'm gonna say that again. As long as there is an again, that is attached to the way you operate, to the way you live, to the things that are wrong, that are contrary to the word of God. As long as there is an again attached to it, you are gonna struggle with maintaining or walking in or living in your deliverance. See, that word again means <laughs> means that you're dealing with a, a, a repeat offender, whatever it is that you, that you have been in bondage to, okay? What this means is when he says evil again, we're saying that they were doing whatever the they were walking contrary to the word of God over and over again. It was a repetition. They were repeating this thing, and many times we run aground or run into problems with our deliverance and cannot figure out why it is we going back in. To seemingly into bondage, and we don't, and we never really put together. It is because we have grown lax on what God told us to do, okay, or negligent in what God told us to do, or just downright disobedient to what God told us to do. And now the the evil that we did, we're doing it again. The stuff that was wrong, the things that are wrong, we're doing it again. The children of Israel, the Bible says, did evil again in the sight of the Lord. Now, a couple things for you to know. Let's talk about, let's, let's, let's deal with this. Now, Eglon is the king of Moab. Okay. Now, the Moabites are not one, okay, of the people who inact- who inhabited the land of Canaan. They were not. Okay. The Moabites were not the were not a one of the groups of people. Who actually lived in the land of Canaan? No, 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 no. Okay. Um, but the Moab's territory was that of what is known as the Transjordan. Now, what is the Transjordan? That just means that it's the region east of the River Jordan. Okay. That's where they actually inhabited. So they weren't in the land of Canaan, they were in that east region um, of the river, um, um, of that eastern region, region of the River Jordan. Now, Israel had a problem. Now, though they weren't one of the enemies that lived in Canaan, they were one of those groups of enemies or those groups of people that they constantly had problems with throughout their journey. And you see that in Numbers chapter twenty, uh, chapter uh, twenty-two, all, three, all the way through uh, through twenty-five. You 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 you'll see that. You'll learn about um, you know about the Moabites. Now, the Moabites were related to Israel to the Israelites through Lot so they were the kids of so they were the descendants of, of Lot which was Abraham's nephew okay and 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 evidently this Eglon this king had some sort of coalition going on with the Ammonites and the Amalekites now the Ammonites and the Amalekites just like Moab they weren't descend- they, they, they they weren't so much uh, inhabitants of Canaan But they were also from that trans so that east region of the Jordan River. And while Amalek um, was linked to to, to Edom, and you read about this in Genesis uh, 36 and 16, the Amalekites were semi-nomadic, okay? And so they just kind of dwelled wherever. Now, the Bible says this, okay? Eglon, the king of Moab, okay, that the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. Let's dig into that. Now, I want you to notice the Bible says that they did evil. The word evil here in our text, okay, refers to behavior, okay? In specific, um, um, to be specific, it essentially means that morally objectionable behavior in essence it means wrong doing okay it means you are doing the wrong thing so when the bible says and the children of israel did evil again what that meant was was that more they what that meant was was that they were engaged in wrongdoing which covered the entire spectrum from from fornication to anything else that you can think of, it's all encompassed in that word evil. Because what it actually means in essence is wrongdoing, and it re- and it refers, brothers and sisters, to wrongdoing in all of its flavors. Doesn't matter how it appears. If it's wrong, it's covered in that word evil. Okay. If it's if it's if it's if it's anti God, it's covered under that word evil. That's what it means. They did evil. Okay. Again in the sight of the Lord. Now, look at that word sight. Notice he said they did that in the sight of the Lord. Now, first glance, you think, okay, well, okay, they just did it to where God could see it, but it's actually stronger than that. Okay. It's actually stronger than that. And in fact, before I get there, let me go ahead and say this about evil. Okay. They were operating in evil or wrongdoing. But if you look at Micah six and eight, God breaks down what it is that you and I are supposed to be doing and what it is that they were supposed to be doing. The Bible says this, he hath showed thee, O man, what is good and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. If you are going to walk in deliverance, if you want deliverance to last, if you want deliverance to not be something that's a flash in the pan, that's 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 here today gone gone tomorrow brothers and sisters you're going to have to comply with what god has told you to do i'm going to have to come into alignment or into obedience to what god has spoken amen it, in essence it, it really goes back to the to the to to the same that guess what god don't bless mess it, you you can you can you, you can you can come up with all kinds of strange things and 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 take it to God trying to get his endorsement but let me tell you if what you bring it to God is unlike God you guess what He ain't gonna endorse that. God is not going to bless mess. You cannot maintain deliverance while secretly having a love affair, with unrighteousness, it ain't gonna happen. It's not you, you're not gonna have it, you cannot have it when God delivers you from something. You gotta understand it is predicated on you staying with God. Deliverance comes from God, and it can only be maintained by God. And the only way God will maintain the deliverance that he has given you, or in other words, cause it to last, cause it to endure, is by you being in compliance with his word. God wants you to be obedient, wants me to be obedient. He hath showed thee, Micah 6 and 8, oh man, what is good and what? doth the lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly what they with thy god you know what that means it simply means this all that god is asking you and i to do who he has delivered from all kinds of situations all kinds of circumstances the only thing he is now asking you to do with that deliverance is do the right thing that literally is what micah 6 and 8 is telling you god is telling you And he's telling me, do the right thing. And some of us struggle with our deliverance because we just won't do the right thing. We got a scam. We got, we got a plan. We got a scheme. We got all that. We got everything else to do other than the right thing. And I'm telling you, God is not going to bless that. You're going to fall flat on your face in deliverance every single time you deviate from the prescribed and the authorized formula. You got to do it God's way. Now, Look at that word sight. We're moving forward because we're building on this. Amen. This is good tonight. I praise God for his word. Sight here at first glance, you might be tempted to think that the word is just simply saying that they did evil in the presence of God. In other words, they did it in eyesight. They did it where he could see. So they did it out in the open. Well, newsflash. God sees everything. So you can't go nowhere that God is not going to see you. God, 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 no matter where you go, no matter what you come up with, you, uh, you listen, you can be all up in the bushes somewhere and the lights turned off and thinking you're getting away with something. God see you in them bushes and what you're doing. So you might as well just come right on out and be honest with God and let God heal you and deliver you and you walk in it rather than waste your time trying to get away what you're really not getting ready to get away with. God sees absolutely everything. There is no getting away from the eyes or the gaze of god almighty now brothers and sisters with that truth that then brings us to the fact that the word sight in our text is a little bit stronger okay so god ain't in the habit of just using words just for his help no when god bible says that they did evil in the sight of the lord that word sight means estimation okay okay So it means estimation in the sense of you taking inventory of something, not just you looking at something, but you actually examining that thing. That's what that means. When he said in his sight, it's saying that they did evil according to not what he saw, but according to what he examined. What did he examine? What did he, what was he examining? How did that go? See, listen, when used with the, 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 The preposition, so to speak, in, okay? To refer to a person, it refers to, when we talk about estimation, it refers to a person or a supernatural being, in other words, God's judgment of the qualities of something or somebody. In other words, it literally means this estimation or this sight literally means that God took what they did Amen, God literally took what they did and then he lined it up against what he wanted them to do or what he told them to do. That's what that means. When he said they did evil in the sight of the Lord, no, that means that God examined, he didn't just see it. That means that God took it and then he lined it up to what he told them to actually do. And when he lined it up, brothers and sisters, it means he found a discrepancy. That's what that means. Doesn't mean that God just looked at that. No, it means God examined that. It means God put that microscope on that. It means that God dug deep, way down into that thing. That means God got to the heart of the matter. God pulled in. Listen, God... It means that with what they did, God went to the heart of it. God got behind the scenes, behind the mask that they put on, behind the facade that they try to put on and act and and, and fake as though they were doing something else. That pretending thing, God got behind all of that. Oh, yes, he did. God dug all the way down. He went past the, 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 the false pretenses. He went past all the false heirs. He went past all the lies. He went past the deceit. God went down to the heart of the matter. God took what they did and lined it up to what was in their heart, is what this is talking about. When he says they did evil in the sight of the Lord, it don't mean that God just saw. it. He examined that thing and he found a discrepancy. And some of us don't realize that God will look and God's examining the content of what you're doing. If you look at Daniel chapter five, Verse twenty-six. You really and in this you read the story of Belshazzar and the handwriting on the wall. There is a statement that we need to be more conscious of as brothers and sisters and as children of God when we are living and we're conducting our business, especially in the area of area of deliverance, okay? Or maintaining or walking in that deliverance. Daniel five twenty-six says this. This is the interpretation. Now, Belshazzar has saw this handwriting on the wall. This finger of of, of a man appears or and it begins to write on the wall out of thin air. And and you can just imagine how Belshazzar, when he saw that in the middle of everything going on, there's this unattached hand or seemingly a floating hand, all of a sudden writing and inscribing something on the wall. You know Belshazzar freaked out when he saw that. When he saw that, he was like, "Uh uh-uh and 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 not only and, and and not only was it supernatural but there were words that that hand wrote or the hand of god wrote that he didn't understand well when you get to to Daniel 5 verse 26 Daniel is in the middle of interpreting or that scripture or those words are being in the middle of being interpreted for uh, King Belshazzar, okay? And he says this, this is the interpretation of the thing, meaning. Now, meaning is one of the words um, that was was written. But in this scripture, it's just that word. And he says, God hath numbered thy kingdom, okay? God hath numbered thy kingdom and he has finished it, okay? Then he goes to verse 27, Tequil. And he says, thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting. Brothers and sisters, this is literally what is being referred to in this scripture, in our scripture, when we go back to verse, when we go all the way back, okay, going back to verse, uh, verse, uh, verse 12 okay saying that they did evil in the sight of the Lord and it goes on to say that the Lord strengthened Eglon the king of Moab against Israel why because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord in this verse here when he's talking about that evil on the side of the Lord he is literally referring to the same concept that was being referenced in Daniel okay that we just saw or we just read in in Daniel amen chapter Five Verses 26 and verse 27 And literally in that verse 27 He says thou art weighed in the balance And are found wanting God says I looked at your behavior I lined it up I weighed it on a scale And, you'd have, and, and guess what You have come up short Sin will always cause you to come up short And it will short circuit your deliverance When God gives you deliverance It comes from the father of lights and my goodness, it is good as the Bible to when God gives you deliverance. I want to tell you something. God gives you good deliverance. God gives you solid deliverance. But the reason why deliverance is a cycle is because we don't stay delivered. We don't walk in it. It's because we start trying to add in just a little bit of, of, of either worldliness or doing it on our own. And as soon as you start trying to, whenever you mix human intervention with divine deliverance, you getting ready to have a deliverance that's not gonna last, telling you right now. Whenever you mix human intervention with divine deliverance, in other words, I'm gonna do it on my own. I'm no longer gonna rely on the one who gave me the deliverance. You're getting ready to have a short-lived deliverance and you're gonna find yourself needing to be delivered all over again, amen. Now, so he says, I examined it. That's what he was talking about when they did evil in the sight of the Lord, okay? God didn't just see it. He actually examined it. He got all the way into that, brothers and sisters. God, you, know, God, you gotta understand the reason why your efforts, my efforts, don't work. The reason why is to no avail. The reason why, outside of God, that deliverance is not going is not is, is is going to be fleeting, is because you got to understand. You got to remember that deliverance came from God Almighty, and 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 if it came from God Almighty, then you have to understand this concept that is that is demonstrated are made plain in the book of Isaiah 55 and 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. And if you take it even further, verse 9 says, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Listen, God... (laughs) God's ways are higher than your His thoughts are different than yours. It's on a whole nother level. And because it's on a whole nother level, that means that the deliverance that God gave you was next level deliverance. It wasn't ordinary deliverance, but God gave you extraordinary deliverance. God gave you next level deliverance. You can't maintain next level deliverance with earthly uh, intervention. You can't do that. <laughs> you got to have God from start to finish. You got to have that. Now I want you to take a look at something else because we building on this. Hey man, this is good tonight, man. So the Bible says they because that God strengthened, all right, the hand, all right, or strengthened Eglon, or Eglon, the king of Moab, against against Israel. Now, that word strengthened, because we're going to look into this, we're going to look into this, and let me read a little bit further, because to another word I want to get to, verse 13 says, and he gathered unto them the children of Ammon and Amalek, okay, and went and smote Israel, okay, and possessed the city of palm trees, and we're going to dig into all of this, okay, but now let's back up, okay, he strengthened Eglon. Now, the word strengthen here in our text, okay, it means to make stronger, but it also means something else. It means to cause to prevail, okay, or it also means to let something grow strong. Now, I want you to just keep that in mind because we're gonna, we going to really tie this into deliverance, okay? It means to make strong or stronger, it means to prevail, or it means to let something grow strong, okay? When the children of Israel sinned or began to walk in wickedness, now I want you to understand, they had just been delivered. God had already sent a prior judge to, to uh, the judge that our text is talking about. When we get there, God had already sent a judge to deliver them and they had already been delivered but they chose to walk back or to go back into bondage, okay? And they did this by doing evil, everything that was wrong or any and everything. It's not one specific thing. That word evil covers the whole spectrum. Remember that, okay? They began to walk in all manner of wrongdoing. And when God saw it, God didn't just make a snap judgment. God proved it out. He took it and he weighed it out. He weighed it out. He examined it. And when he examined it, they came up short. And when they came up short after God's divine examination, God, the Bible says, strengthened Egon. In other words, he allowed him to grow strong. He allowed the king, this king of Moab to grow strong against Israel. And I want to tell you something. When you have been delivered, okay, the reason why we go back into or why we can go back into bondage is because when you stop doing what the word says, which is absolutely paramount and critical and necessary in order for you to live in the deliverance when you take a back seat or you take or you press pause on being obedient to the will of God you got to understand you got to understand something it allows things that are unrighteous and are wrong to grow strong in your life just like it did Watch the scripture because we've drawn all these parallels and we're tying all of this together. Lord, strengthened Egon, meaning he allowed the king, this king of Moab to grow strong against Israel. Why? Because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord, okay? he It began to grow strong. Now I want you to look at, go to verse 13. Let's look at verse 13. It says, and he gathered unto the children of Ammon and Amalek and went and smote Israel, and possessed the city of palm trees. All right. Now, I want to dig into this and make this, uh, and try to make this as plain as possible. Amen. The word in that 13th verse I want you to look at is that word possess. Okay. So now after God allowed this Moabite king to get strong, okay, stronger than Israel, or strong against Israel, strong enough to enslave Israel is what happened, okay, and that's what bondage and addiction does, it's an enslavement, okay, and when we stop walking according to the word, okay, that, that, that stronghold begins to gather strength, and it begins to build momentum, it begins to 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 get stronger, okay, than your willpower, than your ability to say no. See, eventually it starts growing to a point where you can no longer push away, you're no longer able to say no. It begins to take away a mind of its own. And before you know it, you're addicted all over again. You are enslaved all over again. Why? Because you disconnected yourself from the power source that kept you independent or kept you delivered from the power of that thing that had you in bondage now this word possess here it means to have ownership okay or possession of something okay not just the the immediate thing but it includes the future endowments by claim of right so in other words not only that means to this word possess means not just owning something outright, not just owning a thing or having a thing outright, but everything associated with that thing coming down the pipe—it owns that too. Glory to God. Glory to God. What are we saying, Brother Walker? What are we talking about here? What are we? What are, What? 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 Are, what are we saying when you mean those future endowments? What I'm simply telling you is, is, is that the when addiction and bondage comes back into the forefront because we have taken a back seat on our obedience to God's word. You gotta do God's word. You got to do God's word. But when it comes into the forefront, because we have been negligent or neglected or downright walked in disobedience to what God has told us to do, what happens is is that addiction or that bondage begins to take possession of you. And not only does it take possession of you or take you as you you currently are, but it warps your mind and everything else so that it it lays claim, not just to where you are right now, but it lays claim to your future. That's what it means, that's what he's talking about. That is what he's talking about. So it doesn't just take you and bind you up and lock you down, but it removes your future. It removes all of that. It makes it so that you have a future that don't look so bright. That don't look like you, you know, you, you look like you don't have nothing good to look, look forward to because that's what bondage or enslavement is. Does, it it, it robs you of your freedom for right here and now, but it also robs you of your future, of what you could have, amen, amen. Now, notice that the word says here in our text, glory to God, notice that in our text, the Bible says that this after Moab gained strength, all right, and verse 13, he gathered unto him the children of Ammon and Amalek okay other people that had a twisted agenda or who were enemies or adversaries of the children of God amen watch watch it watch how this goes watch how how it goes because when the devil tries to bring you back under Bondage. Listen, the devil tries to make it so that when he, when you are under bondage, this time it's going to be stronger than it was before. It's going. He's going to do everything he can to make it harder and all but impossible for you to get out or you to be delivered next go around. That's what he's going to do. He's going to do and follow the same pattern that Eglon did with the children of Israel. What did he do? He went and got Ammon, the children of Ammon and Amalek. In other words, he doubled down on the bondage. He came with even something harder than it was before. I was once addicted to this, but now I'm addicted to this and that. I was once in bondage to this, but now I'm in bondage to this and that. Do You hear what I'm saying? So he brings in this coalition of wicked doers, all right, and unrighteousness or unclean spirits. Glory to God. Brings them around and tries to set up shop in your life and in, you know what I'm saying, and in your camp and in all that God has given you and all that God has delivered you from. The devil wants to come in and take that back up. Now, I want you to watch something. He brings them, the Bible says, he gets the children of Ammon and Amalek and he went and smote Israel, okay? And then he possessed the city of palm trees. Now, let's deal with that, okay? The city of palm trees, if you look at Deuteronomy chapter 34 and three, what's actually being referenced here or more than likely is being referenced here is actually a city that was in the land of Canaan, that is the city of Jericho. Jericho, the Bible says in Deuteronomy 34.3, says this, and the south and the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees unto Zeor. So more than likely what is being referenced here when he says that he went and possessed this city, he possessed the city of palm trees or Jericho. Now, I want you to understand, now I want you to do something. Go to the book of Joshua. I want you to look at chapter six and I want you to look at verse 26 because we're setting something up here and I want you to see this because we're talking about deliverance and walking in deliverance and being able to walk in deliverance. The book of Joshua chapter six, verse 26, the Bible says this, and Joshua adjured them at that time saying, cursed be the man before the Lord that riseth up and buildeth this city Jericho. He shall lay the foundation thereof in his firstborn, and in his youngest son shall he set up the gates of it. Now I want you to understand, Jericho was a fortified city, and Jericho, if anything, represents or is a good representation of spiritual strongholds or bondage that we have in our life. Now, If you know the story of Jericho, all right, then you know that Joshua and the children of Israel were given victory over the city of Jericho. They marched around those walls seven times, blowing the trumpet, and when they blew that trumpet, the Bible says that the walls of Jericho fell down. That's your deliverance. You, like Jericho, we have bondage or we often, um find ourselves in bondage to life and to things of life or to addictions or it doesn't matter what it is. We find ourselves in bondage and it is fortified like the city of Jericho. But then God comes into the picture. Amen. Like he did for Joshua. And he comes and marches around that stronghold, and, and, and he does that as you turn your heart to God, and as you repent to God and as you commit your way to God, through the process of all that, God starts marching around that stronghold, marching around that thing, and then all of a sudden, God causes that addiction or that thing to fall in your life. Amen, just like He did for the children of Israel with, uh, for the children of Israel and for Joshua when they marched over the city of Jericho, marched around the city of Jericho. Now, here's the thing you wanna keep in mind. When they marched or after the city fell, amen, all right, that city was destroyed. That city was subjugated, so to speak, okay? The walls fell and they were able, the children of Israel, to take over. So in other words, they were free from the bondage if we bring it up to date, to our, to us, because Jericho represents that stronghold or those addiction or those things that God has delivered us from or that God wants to deliver us from if we're still in bondage right now. Now, when the city fell or when the walls fell, Joshua 6 and 26 is a curse On that city, and it's talking about that that city is cursed, and he's basically saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord that rises up and builds the city of Jericho. All right, so now the children of Israel. So when at when when Egon comes in and he subdues the children of Israel, the first thing that he does is go and rebuild a cursed place. Watch this, watch this. He goes and he rebuilds a cursed location. He goes and rebuilds a thing that God has absolutely no pleasure in. Bible says, and he gathered unto him the children of Ammon and Amalek and went and smote Israel and possessed the city of palm trees. The devil won't listen. When you walk away from your deliverance, when you begin to try to take on and self-manage your own deliverance, as if it was you who delivered yourself and not God Almighty. When you try to take the bull by the horn, so to speak, and you're just gonna make this thing work, but you're gonna do it without God, you got to understand what happens. When you do that, you strengthen a position, or you strengthen the hand or the power of that thing that God had delivered you from. You begin to resuscitate that thing, you begin to breathe life into that thing that was once dead. And what happens is, is you begin to feed it like a fire, like a fire. You begin to pour in oxygen and you begin to add fuel so that it begins to burn brighter and brighter. And before you know it, that addiction or the thing that you were delivered from becomes a raging. Infernal, and when it becomes a raging infernal, like what Eglon did with the children of Israel, he re- it rebuilds a stronghold, or it rebuilds a stronghold in the area of those things in your life that are not pleasing to God. Eglon went and rebuilt a cursed place. And that is actually what happens when we walk away from our deliverance and begin to walk in disobedience. The things that God delivered us from are cursed things. And when you walk away from it, you are in essence Rebuilding or allowing the enemy to rebuild a cursed city or a cursed stronghold. Amen. Amen. Amen.